This is QU Football Weekly Extra Podcast, and it is the 10th episode of the season. We have one game left in the regular season, and we're joined, as always, uh, by head football coach Gary Bass. And I can't say as always, because if you tuned in last week, we did start with B.J. Wilson on the microphone. We are starting with Gary Bass, and at least from my understanding, it will be you um, wearing this headset throughout the duration of the podcast. No plans to have anyone out, out of the bullpen yet? We'll see. Maybe I get creative today and throw him to the wolves. Panon, Panon's sitting close. Maybe I just throw him to the wolves and see what happens. I think that's what works best when you throw people to the wolves, really. And when we talk Sink about – swim, baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what you do in the game of college football. A lot of times for freshmen, you throw them to the wolves and kind of see what they're made of at the end of the day. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of those guys when they get in that young. I mean, you look at Lucas Sartori. I mean, true freshman, coming from a great high school at Julia Catholic. All right, buddy, you're starting. Here we go. Mm. And no college experience. Did he come from a great high school that played great competition? Yeah, but it's totally different in college. So, I mean, he's he's a guy that look at, and, I mean, he handled it well because physically, mentally, he could handle it well. Some kids don't. How many true freshmen that you can remember have started throughout the duration of a football season for you? It's more rare. I don't think people have realized mm. how rare it is, right? Well, yeah. Um, or is that, am I going too far? No, I, we've had to here. Um, when I was the offensive coordinator, uh, Ray GCO started for us at center for four years, started as a true freshman. Uh, his first his freshman year, he actually started at tackle because of necessity. Um, Jared Carlton started for four years. Um, BJ didn't start as a true freshman, so, I mean, that one doesn't count. Um, hmm, who else? Lucas Artori is in that boat. Cade Cameron is in that boat. Uh, that started as a true freshman. We've had, I, I've had a lot of offensive linemen. But other um, than that, is it more rare? Yeah, you don't see it as much. I mean, you've got um, JoJo, Joel Gray's played as a true freshman. Um, AJ played as a true freshman, but he was playing defensive back. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not many. I mean, I'd, I'd probably say this year's the fewest we've had. I'm, I'm pretty sure Lucas Sartori um, is the only true freshman for us that has seen any action, uh, which is the fewest number we've ever had. Um, when I was the offensive coordinator, it was probably consistently at least two on offense alone a year that were that were playing considerable minutes and, or starting. So I mean, I definitely think it's gotten down each and every year, and I think a lot of that attributes to the to the the kids we brought in sticking and retention and uh, having the ability to not have to play. I mean, we got a freshman class this year that we were looking at on defense the other day um, between Ben Ely, Wyatt Ramsey, Dawson Talbot, Michael White. Samad Munger, uh, Shane Glass, Carl Thomas, Matt Austin, Carson Cathy, and the list goes on defensively of guys that are going to be really, really good football players and starters for us in the near future. Then you look offensively. I mean, Chase Krug, an off, another offensive tackle, is a BJ-type body. He's 6'6", plus already as a true freshman. Caleb Post, who redshirted and unfortunately had to have surgery his, his freshman year, he's six foot seven from Camp Point Central. Um, I mean, we've got a lot of freshmen, in my opinion. C.J. Sims, a quarterback who is going to be a ridiculously good football player uh, in the near future. So, I mean, we've had a lot of guys this year in this recruiting class that very easily in years past would have played. Mm. Um, and we were deep enough in a lot of regards that we didn't have to play them, um, which is nice uh, to be able to be in that spot and not have to play some of those guys. It is. I remember back to my freshman year in college, which was in the more recent few recent past than maybe your freshman year, just by a little bit. Coach. 2001. 
and it was 2016 for me, so a little bit of a variance there. However, I remember my freshman year, they redshirted a pitcher, and they read, they rarely didn't write in baseball. They I don't think they redshirt as many pl- players as football. Is mm-hmm. that fair to say? Yeah, I think it's because of the physical nature of the game. Yeah. Exactly. So football more and the ro- the roster's bigger. So by nature, you probably just have more mm-hmm. numbers of redshirt. So they redshirted him. It's kind of rare. He was average pitcher, and he just worked extremely hard while he was redshirted. Um, and he got marginally better the next year, and then he got he started playing, and then he became an all-conference pitcher, and he looked back on his redshirt year, and he's like, I thought I was working hard, but, like, I really wish I took more advantage of the redshirt year. And when you talk about these freshmen that you're talking about are redshirting, how important is it while they're not on the field getting stats and in the box scores is it to take advantage of that redshirt year to be ready to go and what will be their redshirt freshman year next year, Coach? Well, I think that there's twofold to that. There's the physical side of that where they need to get bigger, faster, and stronger. And you can't preach that enough to these guys because no matter where you come from at any level and going into college, you're going to be, for the most part, smaller, slower, and weaker <laughs> than the rest. Than, than, than the mm-hmm. guys that are already on roster. And if you're not, that's a problem. Or you're a freak of nature. Um, Lucas Sartori's kind of a freak of nature. He's six foot four, three hundred and twenty pounds. He's strong as an ox. Uh, but the second phase of that is it's the football knowledge or sport knowledge in general. Um, being a football junkie, understanding the importance of film work, understanding the importance of fundamental play, uh, and, and training your craft. I, I think one of the things that kids don't think about enough is they just they have the the, the mindset of, hey, coach, play me and I'll show you. Well, that's not how the mindset anyone should have. Give it to me, and I'll prove to you. No, you show me, and I'll play you. Mm. And I and I think that's one thing that I think kids, coaches alike, they're like, they don't they don't think that way. I mean, you've got to prove it to someone before they're going to give put, give you your opportunity. And your opportunity may not be the sample size you agree with, but that sample size better prove that you deserve more. So if you're given four or five snaps in a practice, and because of you thinking you deserve more than that that your mindset goes in the tank because of it, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Those five snaps you go need to earn 10 snaps, mm-hmm. need to earn 15, need to earn 20, give you the ability to be able to be a rotational guy or be a starter. And that's not going to happen if you don't prove to a coach that the number of snaps that you're taking currently, you deserve more than that. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. kids kids don't have that mindset. They don't have that thought process. They're just like, Coach, just put me in. I'll prove they it to don't. you. They don't. You're right. No, that's not how mm-hmm. this works, man. This is a business in a lot of regards when it comes to the football nature. Mm-hmm. And you've got to go out and you've got to earn everything you get. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's really easy. And I was in the same boat when I was a young kid. You're like, ah, oh, man, if he just gives me 10 or 15 snaps. Well, what were the five snaps that I did? Did they earn it? Or did I go out there on those five snaps with a bad attitude, body language, and demeanor and then go out there and have two missed assignments, have a physical failure, and then you're like, well, if I got more reps, well, the two of the five that you've gotten were good. The other three aren't. So why would someone give you more snaps when you're only good 40% of the time? That's something kids don't think about. They don't, and I think that's a really good point because even I've had that feeling before, and I've been around teammates before in that same regard as – if I would just get an opportunity in the game to prove what I can do, 
However, it goes back to exactly what you just said. If you can't prove it in practice, you're probably not going to be ready to go in a game. And not only that, you're not even going to have an opportunity to play in a game because you know the game has much more pressure. The game has much more demands. And ultimately, I'm not going to say more importance because practice is just as important um, in terms of making, executing plays, but you can't. That's a really good point because I think a lot of people have that mindset of, oh, I'll show you. No, it's the other way around, like you said, Coach. And I I think the biggest thing when you talk about what you just said is – when you're in practice, execution and practice is what makes you give you the opportunity to be successful in a game. Mm-hmm. So if you can't demonstrate your your knowledge, your capability, and your execution and fundamentals in practice, what in God's name makes you think that I believe you're going to do it in a game? If you can't do it when it's on, not on the line, why would you do it when it is on the line? Because if you would, we have a problem here. Mm-hmm. Because if you won't do it when we're preparing for one, but you will do it when you're in the game, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. It should be both. You should treat the practice no different than the game. Then that way that when you get to the game, it's easy. When we were in college, our practices were miserable. They tried to kill us. And the whole thought process behind Mike Bloomgren and the way they built our individual and everything else in practice was we're trying to make this so unmercifully bad that game day's easy. And it worked. And – I think you have to be careful with that anymore because kids aren't wired the same way and there's so much people are so much bigger and stronger and faster that you got to make sure you don't have injuries but if you can't go out and execute football plays and fundamentally be solid in what needs to get done in practice why would I ever think you're going to be able to do it in a game when now it's on the the game is on the line mm-hmm. and that's one thing that I think from a playing standpoint um, a lot of kids don't get when they're younger. They're just like, Coach, just put me in and I'll show you. That's not how mm. this works. If you can't show me in practice, why in God's name would I think it'd be different in the game? And I think that's very hard to get across. I think we've done a pretty good job with our guys and it can always get better of getting them to understand why they stand where they're at because we, I talk to them all the time. I tell them this when we get into fall camp. Um, I will not have a, have a conversation with you about playing time originally. Your first conversation about playing time should be with your position coach. Your second conversation with playing time should be with your position coach and your coordinator. The third time, if it gets to a third time, should be with your position coach, your coordinator, and then myself. Because the position coach has to be able to sit down and objectively look at someone and say, you're not playing because of A, B, and C. And explain it to it in a manner where a kid understands. He may not agree with it, but everything's subjective when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think one of the other hard things to deal with is to be able to look at film as a player and take your emotions out of it and talk about what your intentions are. Mm-hmm. I talk all the time about this. I don't care what your intentions are, like not in the negative way. No one goes out to make to do things wrong. Everybody wants to be successful. So I don't want to argue what your intentions were. I want to argue what actually happened. So for us, it's getting our guys to understand, you may have meant to do this, but you didn't do it. But when you're watching film as an individual, you have that emotional connection to yourself that it's hard for you to watch film and objectively be able to look at yourself and say, I need to fix this. No, the, the, the heart of you is going to go, well, coach just isn't giving me an opportunity. Or um, I'm better than so-and-so. That doesn't make any sense. And I tell them that in camp. I'm like, 
why would I play someone that's worse than someone else? That makes zero sense. I don't want to get fired. I don't want our coaches to get fired. I don't want to lose. Like, that's the thing. They can't, they can't emotionally detach themselves from it being them and look at something objectively. And, and I think that's a hard thing when you look at recruiting. Um, I've been a high school coach. I was a high school coach for five years. And same thing with college coaches, if any sort of NFL, CFL, or whatever professional team comes in. You're so emotionally attached to a specific prospect that you can't subjectively look at them and say, yes, he can play at your level. I can't tell you how many times um, I've gotten recruiting lists and they're like, oh, coach, this kid, he's Division One football player, and he's a six-foot, 260-pound offensive lineman. He's a good football player, and he may be a good player for us, but he ain't a D1 player. It's the same thing when we went through this entire thing with BJ, and I looked at BJ and I said, the goal is for you to make a camp, man. That's the goal, to give yourself an opportunity. And then things kept coming, and people kept saying things about this, this, and this, and I just kept looking at BJ. Get better. Work hard. Have the things you need to do so that when it gets to that point in time, you've earned what you're given. And I think, unfortunately, it's too hard to detach yourself. Um, sometimes, whether you're talking about yourself, whether you're talking about play a coach to a player, it's difficult. It is, and I don't think coach a player really in the history of athletics, and you specifically talk about football. I mean, no player has ever intended to miss a tackle. No, no player has it, it, intended it's the funniest thing ever because it's like I look at our coach and I look at anybody else. Like no one in the world in any facet goes out and goes, you know what? I want to screw that up today. Mm-hmm. People innately want to please people and they want to do a good job because they want to be successful. The difference between the people that are successful and the people that aren't successful is the people that are successful are purposeful in their intent and their actions. What they say they want to do all the things that they do show and marry up to what their goal is. The kids that say that or the coaches that say that, their things don't marry up. We talk about family. You can talk to any football player on our football team. They will tell you wholeheartedly we are family. You can talk about having trust in each other. When we talk about uh, faith, they will look you dead in the face, and we will tell you that I may not know every single person like the back of my hand, but I have faith and trust that my brother over there is going to take care of it. Kind of a – not a military thing. I don't want to demean that, but kind of like the brotherhood of from that side of things. Uh, and then you look at it from a football standpoint of making sure they understand, hey, man, in order to get onto a football field, i got to be eligible. My body language, attitude, and demeanor have to be good. And I have to do make good decisions. It's not just 100% anything other than being process-driven. The people that are successful in life are process-driven, and they do not let the outcome of one thing or one season or one – whatever dictate their the way they act and the way they behave so i look at it right now and how we look at us we're four and six yes not the, the outcome that we want currently um not the outcome in the last few years that we would want to say but when you're sitting within things and you're intentional about what you're trying to promote and what you're trying to grow and how you're trying to grow there is a ton of growth but unfortunately when you're sitting on the outside of this thing and you don't understand all the different inner workings of everything and you don't see that we're, we have not had one person in the six years I've been as a head coach, a kid exhaust their eligibility with it at Quincy University, not graduate. We've had above a 3.0 for eight semesters in a row. We do an obscene amount of community service hours every single, every single year. 
the amount of things that we do just off campus in general, the type of interactions our guys have with internships and things like that. Yeah, it's about football, and we're getting better. I get it. The record's not what we want it to be. And I know I just talked about being cutting the emotions out. So, yeah, the record, just on the record side, right there with you. Not happy with it either. But we've got to make sure we continue to be purposeful with our process because I truly believe if you are process-driven and you are culture-driven, the, the outcomes will, will get better. The outcomes will improve. The outcomes will show what we want it to be. But like I told you when we started this whole thing, I, when I was first started, I want to build a good football program, not a good football team. I can go out and sign 30 transfers tomorrow and don't care about character, and we can have some really good football players and probably win, have a really good season one year. But then those kids are going to get kicked out. They're going to flunk out. I want kids to stick. I want the right type of kids, and I want to win doing it the right way. I love that. I certainly do, and I think that – it's an important part about building something that we've consistently talked about. And the cool part about it, Coach, is when you consistently and really persistently try to build something, it, it gets emotional. I know you take the emotions no. out of it, but um, talking to you after games this season, we've had the highest of highs doing something for the first time ever in school history. We've had some lows as well. And I know the emotional roller coaster of being a head football coach certainly with one week left in the season when you get into the off season is that a time to reflect and decompress a little bit from kind of the grind of being a head coach and a college football season coach um like you said it it's never easy there's never there's never a stop point so perfect example we get done with the game on saturday um the second the game ends on saturday um i'm already preparing i've been preparing for what we do in the off season and what we do from a recruiting standpoint so we get done with the game on Saturday. I'll enjoy my time with my family on Saturday night, and then I will immediately jump in a car, and I've got to go recruit. All the rest of our coaches will be in cars, and they'll be going road recruiting. Um, and then some people, we'll have some guys here that have to get equipment back. We have to get the field teared down. We have to make sure everything's inventoried and correctly done. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they'll do a lot of their recruiting in-house. But, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, we get done on Saturday, man. We're I'm in a car. There ain't no decompressed time. It's jumping a car. Let's go. We got to go find some some football players that are continue to add to our family and what we want to try to accomplish. Um, I mean, yeah, you want to talk about dead downtime? Like, yeah, I guess on Thursday of Thanksgiving, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll stop and decompress a little bit. But even then, like people don't understand. Like, um, I've been sitting here all night since we've been sitting here and texting recruits, coaches, talking to recruits all night long. Um, it doesn't stop. So even when you're off, you're not off. Like, I can't tell you how many times, even if I'm home, I'm like, hey, I need, like, 30 minutes. I need to go talk to this kid. Uh, and I think it's one of those things that people don't understand if they've never been into college athletics um, or college football, uh, how much time investment, even when you are not on the so-called clock, it doesn't. My wife, I never feel that first year we get done and we sit down and me and her have, like, a like a powwow to talk about. You know, how was this year? What 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 can I do better knowing how busy I am and, She's like, I, I, I knew how busy this was. I didn't know it would be this busy. Even my wife, who's been in college football with me for forever, just because getting phone calls at 2 a.m., getting for about things to some, somebody's sick, somebody unfortunately passed away in a family. Like, I, just yesterday alone, I had three players come in my office, and one of them's grandparent passed away, one of them's uh, uncle passed away, and I had another one that his uh, grand, grandparent is on life support. Mm -hmm. And it, those are things that people don't think about. They just sit here and look at one thing. Hey, you went five and six, which is hopefully the outcome of after opponent number 11. Um, 
they see they see that, and I got it. I understand how important that piece is. Don't get me wrong. I'm not naive enough to sit here and say that, oh, we can just have good kids and have good GPAs and the record doesn't matter. I don't want to do it that way. I want to win. But I also want to do this the right way, and that, that stems with making sure that you, you are intentional on your time and your purpose. Well, I can't look at our kids and tell them to work their rear ends off 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and then us not do the same thing. And I think that's something people don't get. I think that's a really good point because when I bring up that off-season time, and I love how you've consistently throughout this season of podcasts, Coach, brought up your wife. And I think it's awesome because you talk about family within the aspect of Quincy University football team. But I also know just for you personally, family is something that is very important to you. And I asked the question, is there a big difference between Gary Bass, the football coach, and then Gary Bass when he goes home? Or are you always the same guy? Is there, or do you, you, do you have to turn off a switch a little bit? I know you say it never stops. And is that how it kind of always goes, Coach? Uh, I, I am the exact same person all the time. Um, I do think that I'm very lucky because um, my wife has to deal with us being gone a lot. Um, no different than we just talked about. Like we're getting out of a, a we started August the fifth or whatever it was when we started. So I mean, you're talking from August fifth till this Saturday. We've been in football season seven days a week, eighty, ninety, hundred hour weeks. Well, now I'm sitting here telling you that like you literally on Sunday I'm literally going to jump in a car and then take off and I'm going to be not even present at all for the entire week. So you have to make sure that you're intentional about your time when you are together. So I mean. Mm. Me and her spend a, a lot of time, and, and as I get older, we, we do a better better and better job of this. So, like, last night, I get home. Um, we had to practice last night because of the NCAA ruling on civic engagement, and our kids going to vote today, which is huge. Uh, I went it's the first thing I did this morning because it's important. Um, but I know last night, get home, and kids are already in bed, unfortunately. But I, me and her lay in the bed, and we, we've got a TV show. We pick a TV show that we watch. And we go through the entirety of it, but as we're as we're doing it, we'll put on pause. If one of us has something, we we'll bring it up, and we'll just sit and talk for fifteen or twenty minutes. Well, it's kind of funny because the TV show we're watching right now is on Paramount Plus. It's called Seal Team, so you're talking about a bunch of Navy Seals doing a bunch of undercover operation things. But it ain't about the show; it's about the opportunity for us to spend time together and talk and kind of get on the same page on things. And I, I think that, unfortunately, is where the drop in a lot of people is I am very intentional about when I go home um, when I first walk in the door I take my phone I go upstairs I put it on the charger and I put it on silent um, if I'm coming home for dinner I'm no phones are allowed at the table my wife mine my daughter has an iPod she thinks it's a phone um, none of those none of those devices are allowed at the table uh, we sit and talk about how our days went and what went on uh, then we'll go we'll go do something together as a family, whether it's a board game, whether it's watch a TV show or a movie real quick. So, I mean, there's there's a few hours I try to take intentional time every single night uh, to just get away. Uh, because I'm telling you, when I, when I became a father, um, I thought beforehand that I knew what taking care of football players meant. Um, and then I became a parent, and I truly now – know what that means when i look a parent in the face and i say we're going to take care of your son i mean it to the death um and that means something and i don't think a lot of places mean that that way 
Um, so I think it's it, it's being very intentional with my time with them. Um, we'll have time, hopefully, with Thanksgiving. Like our big decompressed time, I'd probably say, is we'll have a little bit of time over Christmas break, um, probably a week. Um, and then we have some time over the summer um, where we get a chance to decompress. But most people don't understand it, man. Like we get done with season, we're immediately recruiting. We're on the road. We're gone. We're, we're trying to uncover good football players and good people. And um, then we come back. We have Thanksgiving break, which we're, I'm still working on Thanksgiving break because I'm planning ahead. Um, and then we get back for after Thanksgiving break, and it's all recruiting six days a week and having visits. And then we, we have a, a Christmas break time, and but we're still recruiting and setting visits. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot. I don't, I don't think people understand. I'd love to have the opportunity to, to have, one, have someone shadow us just for a brief time just to see in season and out of season how much we do. I'd love to, I'd love to shadow you, Coach. You think, would you let me for a week? Just be, be absolutely. Uh, we oh. can we can make our we can just wire up and just make it a podcast. Yes. The whole week a, a week long mm-hmm. podcast. I don't think anyone would listen to. Well, we could get wireless mics and just kind of do a video episode week in the life because I know we've talked about it at length and I have the audio recordings. Sunday we're doing this. Monday we're doing this, and you understand the hours. But I don't think people, especially in today's. A day and age with the video communications. I don't. I think people would really understand it. We got the cameras out, mm-hmm. and we got it going. I mean, I don't think people just realize. You said you finished the game Saturday, and you're not talking about the next Sunday. You're talking about the next day. Yes, I. We legitimately will end the game at four o'clock, four thirty. Uh, we'll have fun. Hopefully, after a win, let's go. Um, and then on Sunday, I will be jumping in a car, or maybe a plane. We haven't decided. I may be okay. flying somewhere. Um, and all the rest of the coaches will be too, and we will be gone on Sunday, the day after our last game. There's no day off. There's no nothing. We don't have time. Um, we've got to go and cover and do what we need to get done. And I think people do not realize that. I think they just think, oh, yeah, well, you just go to practice for a couple hours a day, and then you go home. Yeah. No. Uh, there's so much more involved in it, whether you're talking strength and conditioning, because I have two strength certifications with Coach Ladd and all those guys and trying to work on that, whether it's uh, building uh, – Christmas break workouts, whether it's recruiting, whether it's planning ahead for next year, whether it's scheduling, budgeting, um, whatever it is, there's way more, I think, involved in, than anyone realizes. Speaking of the devil, here's my little girl. That is awesome. And I know that, uh, Coach, I just want to say that if I don't know, you talk so highly about a lot of people on this podcast, and I just want to say for those listening right now, let us know where you're listening from. Uh, drop it to us on Twitter, of course. I'm sure you probably got it from Twitter, uh, the link. Just drop it. Let us know where you're listening from because, obviously, with the podcast, you can listen all across the country. And, Coach, as we shift gears here, final thing I have for you, I want to kind of look ahead. The Great Lakes Valley Conference. I know we've talked about the offseason, your football team getting ready for Week 11, but just the Great Lakes Valley Conference, a conference in which your football team competes in. What do you see the future of the GOVC looking like? I know there's been a little bit of a change last year with Lindenwood coming in and coming out. Um, do you see, have any ideas of what you think the future of the league looks like, or is that more a question for people within the administration? Um, I mean, I think every every conference is always looking to expand. Uh, you look at, well, we'll just talk about Power 5 front. I mean, San Diego State, I believe, yesterday or the day before, just said that they're moving to the Pac-12. I mean, Things are so much different than the landscape of conference than they used to be. People for the longest time, they wouldn't move. 
Someone's sitting here looking at me in their tank. Oh, Colorado's going to leave the Big Ten or Big 12, whatever, Big 12. Um, they're going to leave the Big 12, and they're going to go join the Pac-12. I would have been like, what? That's never going to happen. Look at USC. You look at USC and mm-hmm. UCLA. They're joining the Big Ten, I think is what it is. <laughs> like, what? What? Like, the, the, the numbers don't even mean anything anymore because the Big Ten actually has like 14 teams. Right. The Big 12 has like nine. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just a conference name. So, I mean. They've always I, been changing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think things are one of those things. People are always looking for the grasses, always greener on the other side. Instead of people being where their feet are and getting better, they just think about dollar bill signs. And I think in our conference, you look at Lindenwood, um, they get an opportunity to go to Division One, talk money, talk whatever you want to fame, whatever you want to talk about. They saw it, they ran. Um, we've had teams come into the conference and go out of the conference. Uh, I've been very lucky. Uh, I think me and Coach Kievers, the head coach at uh, University of Indianapolis, I believe we're the only two coaches of any kind in our conference that have seen this conference from 2012 to where it is right now. We're the only two coaches that have played every single game in GLVC history. Since 2012. Since 2012. What about old boy at Sherman's? They weren't in the conference in 2012. They were in the MIAA. So me and Coach Kievers, I was the OC. He was the DC at the time. Me and him are the only two that have seen every single conference football game that has been played in GLVC history. 2012. Every game. And – to see where our conference went my first year when I got here, this conference was not good. Yes, you had Indianapolis uh, and S&T the first year, but to see where it's come to now, like you got two teams that are having an opportunity to, to possibly get a playoff berth. We'll see what happens after they play this week. Um, then you look at their everybody else. I mean, um, we got a chance that we should have beat S&T, and we didn't, but like then we beat McKendry, who then beat S&T. Like, and it's, I mean, there's just so much parity in this league, and I truly believe it's – uh, this league has only gotten better. Uh, I'm hoping that we get the opportunity to get uh, one or two more teams in this league to, to try to just make it more consistent and solidify it, uh, hopefully regionally, of course, uh, because travel is always a thing that matters in a small school. Uh, don't want to travel 12 hours or 10 hours like we did to Walsh. Hopefully it's four or five. <laughs> 10 hours is not much fun. Uh, but, I mean, outside of that, it's just trying to make sure that you do a good job of uh, – getting people that fit our footprint. Um, you look at Lindenwood in a lot of ways, and I get they're private, but if you look at their footprint versus ours, SBU, McKendry, and Jewel, Lindenwood doesn't fit our footprint. They've got too many resources. But they were great addition to our conference because they made it better. Um, so I think there's give and take in all those regards. Um, I know whenever I was in college at Catawba, uh, everybody in the conference was a small private school. Everybody's resources were about the same. Uh, so everybody was on similar footing. Um, it is a little bit different here that you had it last year. You looked at Lindenwood and Indy, which were the bigger privates. Then you had S&T and Truman, who were the, the more higher prestigious academic publics. Then you had the other four of us, Baptist, Jewel, McKendry, us. And that's the biggest thing is hopefully whoever we bring into the conference moving forward and I know Dr. McGee is on that, uh, the President's Council. Hopefully they get an opportunity to, to bring someone that is very like-minded to, to the rest of us, and they fit our footprint, and they make our conference better. When it comes down to it, that sustainability is huge. The Great Lakes Valley Conference does have two top 20 teams. The game you referenced coming up this weekend, 
is Truman traveling to Indianapolis. The winner will be the Great Lakes Valley Conference champion and likely head to the NCAA D2 playoffs going for the conference championship. Two top 20 teams, and you mentioned the success of the league in that regard. It's pretty cool. I know you mentioned you're the only coach, you and Coach Keepers, to see every single GLVC game, but I will mention that I looked at every single GLVC box score after Tion Harris's two-game stretch to make sure he did have the best two-game stretch in GLVC history, so I'm, I feel a little bit of part of that back <laughs> since 2012, um, but that is something also when you talk about this season, uh, people don't realize 972 yards, you've seen every single game, and this season is something that has never been done in GLVC history, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, we've we've been very lucky to um, to have really good football players uh, we talked about uh, B.J. breaking the school record uh, before his injury on Saturday uh, of making his 45th consecutive start, uh, which is a school record. Yet Chapel, who's two tackles away from breaking the school record uh, in total tackles and solo tackles. And then you look at Teon Harris, who's 252 yards and two touchdowns away from breaking the total passing record for this year. And He's also um, – and the touchdown mark. I mean, and he's seven away if we go out and strike gold on Saturday. Uh, he's seven away from breaking the school passing record in a career. Um, so, I mean, we're very lucky to have the kids we've got. Um, I think every single year we've gotten better. Um, I can say that unequivocally this year. Wow, Coach Bash used a big word. He did. Um, that we are we are much improved. <laughs> Uh, I wish I could sit here and say that our record was much improved, um, but right now we are where we are. Um, the biggest thing for us in the offseason is uh, making sure we do a great job in recruiting, continue to build our culture, um, and bring people in recruiting that are going to be a good culture fit for us so that we can continue to improve as a football program. Well, there you have it. QU Football Weekly Action of the Podcast. Ben, uh a great blast doing these things, Coach, and I'm hoping we can still like keep keep it going, get get going on some more QU football whenever again you have uh, have time. I know you're an extremely busy man. I think I think this has been a lot of fun because you talk about decompressing. I told you when we were in the car on the way uh, on the way down to SVU. Sometimes I feel like you're my therapist, Will. Uh, you have uh, you've been you've been a guy that has helped our program immensely in a lot of capacities. You're a good person. You're a good friend. And our, our, our university and our football program is lucky to have a person such as yourself to represent our, our football program and tell people more about it. And uh, I just can't thank you enough for everything you've done for us. And unfortunately, we got to wait a year for any more car rides. Right on. That is true. Unless you just want to hop in, I might, <laughs> might go recruit Shadow. <laughs> Shadow, and we'll do podcasts while we're driving down the road. How about that? Right on. Well, Coach, appreciate those kind comments and everybody listening as well. But that wraps things up here on QU Football Weekly uh, this evening.